0: Welcome back to the Teacher Renewed Podcast, a podcast about renewing hope and happiness for educators with topics ranging from health and well-being to best practices in and outside the classroom, being a parent and an educator, justice, and so much more. I was one of the many teachers who left the classroom due to burnout. I thought I would be a teacher for life and found myself walking away from a career I loved, I want to get in front of this and talk candidly about ways in which we as a community can support the health, well-being, and development of educators, especially teachers who are feeling the burn and are questioning if they made the right career choice. Trust me, you did. Let's get started. I'm so excited, as I generally say at the very beginning of most podcast episodes, but welcome back to the Teacher Renewed Podcast. I'm Kelly Pomas. And with us today is Karen Myrick, who is a 20 year veteran educator who has done extraordinary things in the international school, at an international school in Sweden, which is so fun because we actually have somebody in Sweden getting to talk to us about education outside the U.S., also from Canada. So again, outside the U.S., which is really exciting. But I think what we're going to find today is that Karen can speak very holistically about what all educators need, which is mindfulness. And so you can actually find Karen as the mindful teacher um, on Instagram. And that is actually how I found her. As I was thinking about what I wanted to name my own business, I thought, oh, maybe mindful teacher or mindfulness teacher or something along those lines. And as I was hashtagging and looking for handles, I found Karen and her content is beautiful. And she was one of the first people I asked to be on this podcast, and so I just can't tell you how humbled I am to finally get to be in your presence, Karen, and get to share your story with our listeners because it is one of of empowerment and calm. Still, you know those are not dichotomous words, and I really am excited for you to highlight the work that you are doing to really support our teachers across the world in becoming more mindful and helping them to sustain in this work. So that's my introduction for you. I would love to kick it to you and and hear from you a little bit more about, you know, what brought you to education? What are you doing in education? And what are you most passionate about in education?
1: Oh, wow. Thank you, Kelly, for that. That's amazing. I love that story about how you found me. So good. The power of social media. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here. Thank you so much for asking me to be here. Um, this is something I'm super passionate about. So I'm just so excited at any opportunity to be able to uh, talk more about it. So as you said, my name is Karen. I am a uh, born and raised in Canada and I moved to Sweden in, I think it was 2003, 2004. And I've been working um, at one of the international schools here ever since. And you asked me before, what, what brought me to teaching? It's so interesting. And it's, it's not a question I think about too often, but when I do, it brings me back to my childhood and my mother. My mother was an elementary school teacher. And I just remember, I have this scene in my head where she actually was teaching at one point at the school where I went to school and she was teaching kindergarten. And I remember walking into her classroom and she was in her element. Like those kids were just hanging off every word and she was in her zone and loving it. And I just remember thinking, that's what I wanna do. I I wanna be like my mom. I want that, that is what I want. And so also just having a really, you know, I liked school. I I liked elementary school, but I also, I, it wasn't always an easy place and it wasn't always Mm -hmm. I didn't have the easiest time in school. So I think I also have this thing in my head where I'm going to, I'd like to make it better for other students. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, So I think that's a little bit sort of my journey into how I got into teaching. And then before I moved to Sweden, I was working um, actually in preschools. And then when I came to Sweden, I started working at the international school. Basically, every grade from kindergarten, this year I'm teaching fifth grade and everything in between, except second grade, actually. <laughs> so I mean, that's on my list, yeah. Exactly.
0: It's a good grade to teach, trust me. Eight-year-olds are amazing. As you know from third grade, I'm sure. <laughs>
1: exactly. So that's a little bit about my journey. And then as far as mindfulness goes, I've always been really interested in you know, mental health and well-being, even before before it kind of became this um, really hot topic as it is today, but just really understanding. And again, from maybe my own experience in school, the importance of feeling safe in school. So even though maybe at the time I didn't really realize what that meant, but just this idea that if I don't feel safe, if I don't feel grounded, then learning can't take place. And so I remember writing, and even in university, my my. Um, you know, my my essay when I was going to graduate and thinking about my teacher values and mission statements, like safety was always a big one, and not just physical safety, but mental and emotional and spiritual safety. And so I remember one year I was teaching kindergarten. And, you know, I was kind of, I grew up, my, my dad was he was a, a, a meditator, but more in like the religious sense. Mm. And so that wasn't really my my path, my journey. But I used to do some little visualizations with my little kindergartners, and there was always a couple that would fall asleep. But for the most part, <laughs> they loved their. they I had one little boy who called it his meditation, and <laughs> He loved meditation time and we do some little visualizations. And I just remember thinking, like, wow, like once, and this is before mindfulness was even a thing. I just remember thinking they were so grounded afterwards. Mm. I could do anything with them after that. And so several years down the line, one thing led to another, and I was given the chance to do a one-day workshop where there was um, a woman who had done some work with one of the schools, I think it was a, a middle school in one of the suburbs, like a bit of a you know, tough um, neighborhood, actually. And they were talking about, they did an eight-week mindfulness sort of pilot project. And the results that came out of this were so amazing. It kind of blew my mind. And so Mm -hmm. I wanted to learn more about that. One thing led to another. And I decided to become a certified mindfulness instructor. And then it was just like the transformation for me as a human, as a person, as a teacher, as a mom, as a wife,
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. all those
1: things I thought, I wonder what this could do for my students. So I did some extra training and mindfulness in schools. And that was about four years ago. And I've been doing my own, I have my own practice. I help teachers get the practice started with themselves and I bring it to, um, I help teachers bring it into their classroom. And of course I do it with my own students and I will never not do it because it is just so incredible. So that's a bit of my journey.
0: Thank you, Karen. I love that. And I think, I mean, I definitely want to talk about the results down, down the line here. I think just given, you know, the my own why, um, also being a practitioner of mindfulness, um, I would love to just hear, because I think we have to start with self, you know? It's one thing to wanna do it in our classrooms, you know, turn on YouTube, but there's great YouTubes, or, you know, there's so many apps now, but there's something that, I feel like we have to do first as practitioners of this to implement it and i'd love to just hear your suggestions on you know as teachers are contemplating putting mindfulness in their classroom what do they need to do first for themselves and i i'm sure you can speak very expertly to this given that you train teachers on this
1: oh my gosh thank you so much kelly for that question you are so absolutely right and i think a common misconception is that you know, mindfulness in schools is just a program where teachers can press play or, or, yeah, find something on YouTube and there we go. And if it were that easy, oh, how nice it would be. It would just be magic. But, you know, mindfulness is not a quick fix. It's a life journey and we never get there. It's just one of those things. It is a practice and it's something that we show up for. And so this idea that you're you nailed it. Like this starts with us. Children cannot learn when they're dysregulated and they can't learn from an adult who is dysregulated. So if we're, you know, stressed and exhausted and not taking care of ourselves and our brains are on, the, you know, past or thinking about the future and we're not really here, our kids sense that, you know, our, our students are like little sponges. They know, they may not know that they know, but they're, you know, they know, they, they get those feelings. They, they take on our energy, right? So the fact that it starts with us is my message. This is my why, this is my reason for being, and this is the thing that I'm so passionate about, because I don't even really want to think about bringing this practice into the classroom until we bring it to the teachers. Mm -hmm. And so for me, like my own personal journey, when I started this about four years ago, like I was a teacher, I was fed up, I was exhausted, I was overwhelmed, I, you know, I couldn't prioritize the massive to-do list that kept coming at me on a regular basis, and I was ready to quit, I was really ready to quit on a personal level. Professionally, I felt like my whole life was just sorting out my students' conflicts, like I didn't Mm -hmm. even feel like I was teaching, it was like they would come in from their break, and then I knew that I'd have to spend 20 minutes starting out their conflicts and, you know, trying to bring them back down to, you know, the, the ground. And I just remember thinking, this is not teaching. This is crowd control. <laughs> so that was one of the things I really realized after my own, when I started my own practice and then started bringing it to my students was just this, there's so much that goes on. it's so it's so simple but so complicated and so some of the things that i noticed for myself were just generally i slowed down and therefore i was better able to prioritize i wasn't trying to do all the things in one go i was better able it was just it felt clear i was able to prioritize i was able to think okay what really needs to be done and what is just fluff and you know not important and when i started showing up like that for my students guess what they change too. And then when I started the, pre- the more kind of formal practice with them.
0: You're making me cry just really quickly. Oh just, my goodness. That's a resonating message. I'm so sorry to interrupt this powerful statement, but I'm just like, it just, everything you're saying, I'm just thinking about the teachers I work with. I'm thinking about myself 10 years ago. Keep going. Thank you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm
1: just, I'm connecting so, bad, uh, so hard with you right now because we really have all been there. And then I noticed, so this was the class because I'm putting myself back in that situation with that very class that I was with when I started practicing mindfulness and I started doing my training. And so after I got my own practice down, my own personal mindfulness practice, and I started learning all the things and I trained to become an instructor and I started practicing with my students, it happened so subtly, but all of a sudden I realized I have not dealt with it with conflicts in mm. you know, a week. I just I it really hit me. All of a sudden I was like, I don't know if they're more grounded, if they're better because of the practice, they're starting to sort themselves out. And then in the times when I did have to step in and help, it was like dealing with logical adults. Like They could talk about their feelings. They could say their side. They could see the perspectives of the others like, oh, well, you know, this happened and I realized after I took a few breaths that maybe they didn't mean it or it was an accident like, wow, yes, this is, you know, this is what we want. This is what we want for our students is what we want for our world. And so, yeah, I and, and since then, I, I will never not do it. I even had a little guy in my class that year who was on the autistic spectrum, mm-hmm. and you know, this was my first. This was the first class where I ever practiced. So looking back, there were probably some things that I could have done differently. But you know, I just let him do his thing, and he was one of those little guys, totally literal. If your teacher tells you to close your eyes, you're gonna you're gonna do that. And so he'd sit with his thumbs over his eyes, <laughs> just so he could keep his eyes closed. But again not saying it's all because of our mindfulness practice but I definitely think that it played a part His, you know other teachers and his parents came to me and said he he's not the same kid he wasn't having these aggressive outbursts anymore you know he was able to like kind of sit still with himself and his eyes closed in a different way you know his attitude towards his work changed and I just thought why aren't we all doing this nice. <laughs> so yeah I'm super passionate I I I I want to start a revolution. I am all questions like this this is what we need and it's so interesting because you know I'm sure you've heard this too if you've spoken to your colleagues is one of the big obstacles that I face with schools and teachers when I try to you know tell them how amazing this is. is that sounds great but we don't have time for it. And I just think my answer is always you don't have time not to. You don't have time not to and the time you put in you will get back tenfold by not having to sort of you know spend your whole time dealing with conflicts or repeating yourself you know 50 million times your instructions because they listen the first time you don't have time not to
0: <laughs> <laughs> amazing um and so i think thinking about that you you started the first thing you said was just slow down right and then by you slowing down the energy in which you were putting out there your students were starting to channel. And now, at this point, you've seen the, the difference in your own class and you've had now, especially given the time that you've been at your school to start training your colleagues and so talk to us about how yeah what that journey has looked like and what you are doing now for your school.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, like, like all good things, it takes time. So it wasn't one of these things where I became a trained instructor and everyone opened their arms to me and embraced this and said, teach us. Uh, it's been, you know, it's been slow, but steady. And so at my school, it really started with who's interested, like who's with me kind of a thing. And, you know, luckily there were quite a few teachers that, um, that wanted to explore this more. They had seen what I've been doing. They noticed actual changes in me as a, as a person, as a teacher. And so they wanted to know more. So I started with uh, I gave a, an eight week course to my colleagues for them. Mm-hmm. For them, nothing to do with school or class or students. This is for you. So you can start learning to take care of yourself, to regulate yourself to make that time for yourself and how to listen to your body, listen to your thoughts and listen to your feelings so that you can better show up for yourself in your work mm-hmm. and in your personal life. And then after those eight weeks, we, then we did a classroom implementation. So here's how you can now get this amazing practice started with your students. And so I've done that, you know, anytime we have a new teacher, because we often have, you know, teachers coming and going, new, t- new staff. So I've done maybe three teacher courses with my own staff, we're a big school. Uh, and, you know, now we're, we keep, we're, we're, we're keeping the, the practice going. We've never forced anyone and said, this is something everyone needs to do. However, at my school, I work for the IB, the, the International Baccalaureate, and mindfulness is actually part of our curriculum, mm. that, that which came in, which is so amazing, um, it's actually one of the uh, like approaches to learning. Like we, we need no. to be able to, you know, focus and, and have uh, strategies to cope with stress. So it is actually part of our curriculum now, which is amazing, but it yes. is okay. I know it's so, it's so amazing. So we should be teaching it to our students, but it's this funny place of, you know, personal and professional. Because I really believe that if we're going to bring this to our students, we first must have our own practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And
0: um, I, I definitely, because I, I mean, I don't want you to have to spill the beans on your course, but what are some of the components or principles that, that you incorporate for that self piece?
1: Yeah. So we start with um, really talking about what mindfulness is, and it really is just being in this present moment on purpose, without judgment. And it's this without judgment that can really, you know, that's really new. We always think good, bad, right, wrong. It's supposed to be. And it's often that that gets in our way. So this is, this is where we start first is that you just show up for your practice. There's no judging yourself. There's no judging your practice. And really just this idea of you know, we talk about autopilot. So, you know, how, you know, we, we become aware of how often we're ruminating in the past or having anxiety about the future. So we we sort of catch ourselves in those moments and then just see if we can bring ourselves to this present moment, either with our breath or engaging with our senses. And then we also spend time listening to our bodies because our bodies are always talking to us. And when we're not present, we're not listening. And what happens is if I love this It's so powerful. If we don't listen to our bodies when they whisper, we're going to have to listen to them when they scream, right? And you know, anyone who has had burnout or knows someone who has had burnout, it's people who have not been listening to their bodies. And they just hit the wall, and it just stops. So huge, huge, huge for teachers. This is one of the most transformative things that comes out of the course, is the ability to listen to your body's signals. And then I'd say one of the other huge, super important components, components of the course is compassion, mm. compassion, and then compassion for others. But really, in my course, it's about self-compassion. And this is, this is powerful stuff. Let me tell you, and th- th- that, that module comes in the middle of the course for many reasons. But by the time we get to self-compassion, we've, you know, been listening to our bodies, we've been listening to our thoughts and feelings, and we've been practicing getting present So that is what we need if we're going to show ourselves compassion. We first need to, you know, have some acceptance of how am I feeling? Mm -hmm. So these two questions that we're practicing answering, what is happening? You know, awareness and what do I need? So acceptance and how to take care of ourselves. And when you can come out of a course and be able to answer those two questions, you know, there you go. You know how to take care of yourself. What is happening? No judgment. What do I need? And so many of us, we don't know, we don't know what we need when we're when we're not feeling okay. We can barely even stop to notice how we're feeling. So I think those are the main things I think that come out of this type of of course.
0: Where were you in two thousand nine when I when I left the profession because of burnout and my body yelled at me? You know, it yelled to the point that I mean, if you listen to the first episode of the podcast. I passed out in the United States Capitol. And so on a fifth grade field trip. So these these things, like I can, I'm like seeing my 30-year-old my self in that hospital and being like, had I had these things, how different one would my trajectory have been? And I do believe like I'm where I'm supposed to be right now for all the reasons I am where I am. And also my heart always wonders, like had I actually not burned out, had I actually taken care of myself, had I actually listened to my body and actually had the tools to slow down, to be in the present, be self-aware, give myself compassion, would I still be teaching? You know, maybe.
1: Yeah, and that's so interesting too, because in my, when I do courses for, for teachers and preschool teachers, there's two things that happen often. One is, yeah, teachers learn to, they learn the tools and the strategies to deal with stress, they learn to listen to their bodies, to give themselves compassion, and it allows them to, yeah, slow down in their job, to be grateful, and to find joy in teaching Mm -hmm. again. The other thing that happens is we realize what is happening and what do I need? I need to quit, because this is a toxic environment, and it's not going to change, and no matter how mindful I am, that doesn't change a toxic workplace does it so and that's the thing if we're not present and we're just going through the motions and operating on autopilot these things are coming at us we don't even realize so sometimes it's it's the sad truth like once you actually stop become present notice and become aware of what's happening and you start listening to those feelings in your body and you realize this is messed up i can't go on like this Mm -hmm. so those are the two things either we we you know, become accepting accepting, and we find joy in teaching. And sometimes we quit or we, you know, we find it, we find a, a school or a, a, an environment that suits us. And the, the thing is, it's so different for everyone, right? We have different tolerances. We're also different on the inside and in our experiences. So what might be a super toxic, stressful situation for one, other people are able to cope with and we don't judge ourselves for that. We're constantly comparing ourselves and judging ourselves it doesn't matter. We're individuals. We deal with things in different ways, and that's you know that's the way it is. Self-compassion.
0: Mm, love that. Thank you so much. Um, I'm, I'm so excited for educators, especially those who are thinking about leaving the profession. One because of burnout, or two because of demoralization, like whatever it is. But knowing that they can be within themselves. And hopefully you're hearing this uh, to everyone who's listening, be within yourself, give yourself compassion, don't judge yourself. And to those questions, like what is happening and what do you need? And what you need is different than what somebody else might need. And that is okay. That's what I'm hearing. And I'm, it's so resonating with my heart. Um, I do have another question. I feel like to your point, like the mindfulness is a hot topic. SEL is a hot topic. I guess I view SEL as more of an umbrella, and maybe mindfulness with within that umbrella. But given that you are a mindfulness practitioner and expert, how would you differentiate the two? Um, you know, because again, I think we hear a lot about SEL in the classroom, SEL, 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 and it's almost become so buzz buzzwordy that it, it, I think it's losing its. Um, It's importance, it's power. And I don't want that for mindfulness either. But I guess, again, my question is more, how do you distinguish the two or how do they fit together? What is your opinion there?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I think my personal opinion, and of course I'm gonna say this because I'm a mindfulness instructor and I've seen so many amazing things come from the practice, but I would almost think mindfulness is the umbrella. Mm. social Social learning fits under it because without the awareness of self, Social-emotional learning, I mean, we're just going through the motions, truly. If we don't, you know, know what makes us tick, if we if we don't stop to pause and reflect and know our triggers and really be okay with that and, and not judge ourselves for that, then all that other stuff doesn't matter. These kids need to just take a minute and stop. And they also, you know, self-compassion because, you know, why do kids – become dysregulated it's because there's so much going on within them and they don't you know i mean let's face it when we look at the kids in our class the ones who are the most challenging are probably the ones that don't feel very good inside right mm-hmm. and so when we start there when we start with ourselves then everything else can come so for me as a mindfulness practitioner i would actually say that's where it starts so mindful mm-hmm. mindf-
0: Yeah, thank you. And I'm I'm seeing it and having hearing you say that, I think you've kind of flipped my own paradigm. So thank you for that. And so let's go back to then the results. So you've put this into practice. Now you have teachers within your school who have gone through this eight-week course and have implemented what are you seeing in classrooms now on the academic side, on the emotional side. I'd love to hear about the connection that you're seeing. Yeah, it's so exciting. Well,
1: you know. Feel like again. I'm going to start with the teachers, and some of the teachers I've been working with for, you know, a long time, and some of them are are, are a little bit newer. So some of the teachers that are practicing regularly, they they have changed too. Their perspectives have changed. The, the way they show up in their classrooms have changed. The way they view perfection. They, they've let mm. yes, because we're like teachers, and so much of who we are is like we're givers and we want to be we want to be so good to our students that we forget it's like that expression you can't pour from an empty cup Mm
0: -hmm. and i love that
1: the the airplane one you know you you gotta put your own mask Mm -hmm. before you have the children like that is so so true and we have this idea that like you know self-care is selfish and you know there there is that perspective that perception it could not be farther from the truth and especially like Moms and parents and teachers, if you don't put your own oxygen mask on first, you're not gonna help anybody. And I you know, Kelly, I know because I listened to your first podcast, like you know that too. You were feeling so ill and you were trying so hard to be there for your students, and you know, but you were you were hitting the wall. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, who can we help them if we if we can't take care of ourselves? Mm-hmm. So it's just so important, and I'm so passionate about changing that whole story, like. Teachers, it is not selfish to look after yourself. And oh my gosh, like I'm in some Facebook groups with some, you know, teachers from America. And oh my gosh, you guys. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's so interesting. And this idea that, yeah, like you are actually expected to go above and beyond your job and your, you know, your job description, your working hours. It's just, it's like a given. You're meant to wake up at the crack of dawn to go and pick up a student so that they can come to the school like this is also part of it that our our school system is allowing that to happen like no wonder teachers are, are hitting the wall Right, and that's the thing too and I feel like when we can start taking care of ourselves we get the energy and we get the, the knowledge of what is in my control what can I control and what is out of my control what should I just leave like what is not worth my time and energy
0: mm-hmm. and then being
1: able to actually show up for yourself for the things that you can control and the things where you feel like I need to stand up for myself right here and that you actually have the energy to do that
0: right right wow and so in thinking going back to that so it starts with the teachers and now they have this energy, this renewed sense of self and self compassion. They're putting it in the classrooms, modeling this. I'm sure for the students. And so, yeah, what are you seeing now?
1: Oh, it's so beautiful. So, what we see now is teachers. There's so much joy. There's so much smiles. Mm-hmm. There's so much warmth, and you know, teachers who are excited to come in the morning, and if not excited, at least not dreading coming. <laughs> they have the energy they've gotten a good night's sleep they've made sure that they have breakfast they're making sure to do their workout so that you know that they're taking care of ourselves so of course when we have teachers who are feeling healthy and looking after themselves that is coming into the classroom and they're energized and you know they're that grounded adult i saw the most amazing thing actually on the uh, playground the other day i was out on break duty and one of my colleagues was out there with me and they were one of the teachers who, who are practicing and have taken uh, mm. my courses. And so this little guy in the playground comes over, and he's all, you know, he's in a state, and every part of his body is, you know, raging and shaking. And my colleague was so calm. And I watched this interaction from across the the playground, and you could see his energy transferring to that little guy. Mm and his body language and the way he spoke and he wasn't getting worked up. You could actually see this little kid softening and easing and being able to talk about his field. Like, it was really amazing. And that's how it is. This is why it is so important that teachers are having their own practice and that they're grounded in themselves. Because when these little these little these little people come to us and they've got all their issues, we can't let that, we can't add fuel to their, their fire. We have to be the calm grounded adult, regulated in the room, because we might be the only grounded adult that they see that day. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, so I want maybe two final questions um, the the first one is just you know, how do you feel teachers can have a renewed sense of hope and so just giving your expertise, given all that you do like what do you want to say to teachers to help renew that sense of hope?
1: Oh my gosh. Um, what a good question. I think what I would say again, is just this idea of please, please, please take care of yourself. And that it is possible. Like if you're feeling exhausted, if you're feeling, you know, like this, you're not going to be able to do this, that this is not sustainable. It really and truly is, but you do need to take that time for yourself. I and mean, you know, i develop a sort of mindfulness practice. It's just this little little slice of your day that you give to yourself to just check in mm-hmm. and say, how am I doing? How am I doing right now? And for me, I try to do it it's in small pockets of the day and then I have my more formal practice in the evening or when I come home. But it's, you know, when I come into my classroom and I turn my computer on, maybe I just, I, that's all I do. I just, I don't do anything else. And while my computer is starting, I start to take some breaths and I I come into this moment. And then, you know, throughout the day, if I'm drinking my coffee, then maybe I'm just drinking my coffee. Mm. And when all of these things, you know, add up, you do get that, you know, that energy and that renewal. And it is totally possible. Like, teaching is not for the weak. (laughs) I mean, we know that it is seriously, it is a circus. And yeah we really need to take care of ourselves. And if we do, it is, it is just, it's just the most beautiful profession. And I'm so, so grateful that I found this practice when I did, because I was like I said, in the beginning, I was ready to leave. I was not enjoying it. I was not a happy person. I was not, you uh, no. and so, yeah, it's almost amazing to think about like four years later, I'm looking back and thinking that was a different life. That was a different me. Mm-hmm. So wow. that's what I'd like to say, that there mm-hmm. is hope, there is hope, but it's really, you need to look after yourself. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Thank you. And so with your practice, your courses, your, your revolution that you're building in mindfulness, how can people find you? How, what do you offer people um, so that they can leverage your extraordinary gifts that you bring to this world?
1: Thank you. Yeah, I, well, I guess where we found each other, Kelly, I like to hang out on Instagram and I'll post sort of little tips and tricks and ideas of what you can do uh, in your classroom, but also a little bit of motivation and inspiration to always, you know, check in on yourself. Uh, So you can definitely find me there at themindfulteacher.co. So C-O. People can also go to my page. So www.themindfulteacher.co. And there you can find, you know, information to contact me. Right now, I am working diligently on moving my um, teacher mindfulness course to an online model so that I can start reaching more people no matter what time zone you're in. You know, that's the thing to have come out of this pandemic is we're all, (laughs) we've realized we can't always count on meeting people face to face, um, which is, you know, my first love, but also you know, how amazing technology is that we can actually meet in this way. So I'm hopefully going to be launching my next um, mindfulness for teachers course this spring. Super excited. It's going to be a mix between, you know, pre-recorded lessons that people can do in their own time when it suits them in your PJs, your messy, you know, teacher bun. And then we will meet every few weeks to connect to talk, to reflect, and to share our experiences about what we're going through, because that's a huge part of a mindfulness practice is the reflection, because this is where we get a chance to, like, put words to how we're feeling, and it's mm-hmm. like this, you got to name it to tame it. So really, this is, like, the awareness. So talking about, you know, our experiences, listening to other people, and connecting is, like, really transformative. So I'm, that is hopefully going to be coming out this uh, spring. I'm super excited. Um, I love doing workshops for schools and preschools. I've done, you know, half day workshops, full day workshops. We start with, you know, motivating teachers why this practice is so amazing and then helping them out with some classroom implementation. So those are my favorite things to do.
0: Wonderful. Make sure that I put it all in the show notes so people can access you very easily. And if they have interest in leveraging um, what you do offer, then they can reach out to you very seamlessly. Before we go, is there anything else, just like any party messages that you would love for our listeners to hear? Wow. Um, let's see.
1: I think just, you know, oh gosh, thinking about these last few years and everything that we've gone through, I think we've all realized how incredibly strong we are, mm-hmm. but also we are not invincible. And if you have managed to get through these two years, bravo, and if not, that's totally okay and understandable. This These past few years have been an absolute storm. Let's make sure that we're ready for the next one. So, like, my favorite quote, my favorite mindfulness quote of all time is you can't stop the waves, but you can learn to surf. Mm. And so I love this parting message of, you know, mind, a mindfulness practice isn't going to make your life, you know, problem free. But what it does is it prepares you for those waves so that when they come and they are coming, we're, we're ready for them so they don't knock us off our feet. Mm.
0: Karen, thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure. I I'm taking away so many things and just am so grateful to have found you and have you in my life and now have you a part of the Teacher Renew community. I cannot thank you
1: enough. Oh, thank you so much, Kelly. Thank you so much for reaching out and letting me come on your podcast and talk about this. I'm so passionate about it. So I'm, I'm here for anyone who's willing to listen. <laughs>
0: Thank you, Karen, for sharing your extraordinary insight and practices with us today. Here are the takeaways from today's episode. Number one, children cannot learn from an adult who is dysregulated. Two, we don't have time not to implement mindfulness into our personal practices or into our classroom. That's how important it is and will improve student learning tenfold. Three, slow down, be in the now and give yourself some compassion. Four, Our bodies are always talking to us. Listen before the whisper turns into a scream. Five, self-care is not selfish. And six, teaching is not for the weak, but that does not make us invincible. Thanks again for joining us for the Teacher Renewed podcast. Remember to sign up for our Teacher Renewed community on Facebook and follow me on Instagram at teacher underscore renewed and be part of a community that is working collectively to support educators to make education better.
1: Talk to you next week.